Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Would you give a warm welcome to Dr. Randall Langley as he comes today? Yeah, amen. Praise God. Amen. I am, I am absolutely jacked up excited to be at the Father's house. For those of you who were not here in December when I was here, of course, all the real people stayed behind, you know, all the, the faithful people. Um, but uh, I appointed myself an honorary member of this church. And so um, when I told pastor that, he said, good, I want you to send me your honorary tithe as well. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of working on that. But isn't this a great house? I mean, can I just, can I, let me just tell you something. I know you say that, but it's so easy to get familiar with where you go to church. Because I get to travel all over the world in different churches, you can just kind of sense the environment. You sense the atmosphere of a house when you go into it. And, and if you don't know it, this is such a special place. And you've got such precious and powerful and authentic leadership and, and Pastor Terry and Anita. And, and so let me just encourage you to don't take that for granted. Really press in. This is, this is fantastic. You know, I, I love church. I'm a church guy. I was raised in the church. I, I believe church should be enjoyed, not endured. Right? How many of you went to one of those endure it kind of churches, right? But, but, but we've just enjoyed this environment, this worship and so forth. And the worship team just killed it up here. I just, you know, and, and so, uh, and so I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited about the Bible college and, and uh, we had a great class this weekend. The Father's House College of Biblical Studies is part of a global education network, Christian Life Educators Network. So what we do at at Christian Life School of Theology, is that we come alongside local churches and great ministries around the world who have a passion to raise up leaders. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why this is such a great campus here is because this is a leadership church. In other words, we cannot do church just by getting people to come and attend. We've got to empower you, equip you, we've got to train you, we've got to give you the tools and resources so you can go out of here and transform the culture. That's what we need today. We don't need more people going to church, we need more people actually being the church. So what we do here is what I call locker room talk. This is, this is like we're in the locker room, we're getting the game plan, and if you're hurt or wounded, we get you iced up, get you taped up, get you fixed up, whatever you need to do so we can get you out on the field so that you can move the ball down the field and you can help transform the culture for the kingdom of God. So Bible college is not just for people that want to work for the church. It's for people who want to be on mission for the king in all the spheres of influence where God has put us, in the workplace, and business, and the culture, and education, wherever it is that God has set you, that's your mission field. And so we provide a quality Bible college opportunity for mostly adult learners. Maybe you've been to college, maybe you have a graduate degree, advanced degrees, but you never had a chance to go to Bible college. And now you're stepping into purpose, and you're stepping into your calling, and you, don't, and, and you want to be a high, what I call a high-capacity kingdom-minded leader. That's what we're doing here at the Father's House. So I'm excited about the college. And next month, 
your very own pastor is going to be teaching the class on the book of Mark. So uh, sign up for the school, come on out, uh, jump on, and, and be, uh, be ready to, to invest in your personal growth and development as a leader. Growth is not automatic, it's intentional. And so we want to see you uh, fulfill your kingdom purpose and destiny. All right, amen. Well, listen, I, uh, I'm excited about this word today. Uh, I, I always feel like where I go, God has divinely sent me there for a kingdom purpose. And uh, Pastor Tim, we were praying uh, before we started the first service earlier this morning. He said something and it just reminded me that I am a man of God here with a word of God for the people of God. So I declare that. So I'm going to talk to you about fire-tested faith. And we hear a lot of messages about faith, so I don't want you to just kind of put your head on cruise control. I really want you to have ears to hear because I want to share some things that I believe will enable you to be successful and powerful right now in this season of history. And whatever you're going through in life, God wants you to be a winner, not a loser. He wants you to come, He wants you to be above only and not beneath the head and not the tail, right? Blessed coming in and blessed going out in Jesus' name. So let's pray and let me dive right into this. Father, we thank you for your word today. It is life and health to us. It is the way, the truth, and the life. And we thank you that this word will become life in our life today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Elbow your neighbor and say, now don't bug me because I'm listening real good. Stop. All right. Uh, I'm going to have him bring up the scripture here. I want to read this to you. You just follow along. I'll read it. It's from Ephesians 6, and I'm reading it specifically from the Holman Christian Standard uh, version of the Bible. He says here in Ephesians 6, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics. That's the word schemata. That's where we get schemes or tricks. The tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood. How many know we got to be reminded of that all the time? But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything, see there's always a season of preparation. Some people don't stand because they haven't prepared themselves. Preparation time is strategic time. Preparation time is never wasted time. That's why the Bible college is so important. And having prepared everything to take your stand, then you stand. Therefore, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. Righteousness like armor on your chest. And your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. Ready to, ready to go tell others about the gospel. Verse 16. In every situation, take the shield of faith. And with it, you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Amen. We hear a lot of messages today about, you know, standing out, standing up, standing strong. But really, I want to share with you this word about standing through. Wherever you're at today, sometimes God doesn't take you out of that situation. God takes you through that situation. And so I believe this is a very, a very prophetic and timely word 
to, to encourage you and, and equip you in a time when so many people are going through fire in their lives. Uh, I, I was in Southeast Asia earlier this year meeting with some wonderful leaders, and it just seems like wherever I go, leaders and believers all over the world are going through, it seems like, seasons of fire. That's why we call this fire-tested faith. In 1 Peter 1, he said it this way. He said, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested. Everybody say tested. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials... It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And then in, in uh, chapter 4 and verse 12, Peter says it, he says it like this. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. How many know when the fire comes, when the test comes, sometimes what we're doing is we're begging God to take us out. But oftentimes, I've discovered that God doesn't want to take me out. God wants to take me through. And he's going to do something in the process. Amen? Now, think about this from a, just a purely physical perspective. How many of you have ever heard the term fire tested or a fire test? So a fire test, if you look this up, a fire test is a means of determining whether fire protection products meet minimum performance criteria. That's what a fire test is. Uh, usually there's a building code or there's a legislation that they say you can't put this up unless it meets a certain fire test, right? Uh, there's laboratories that hold national accreditation for testing and certification and, and you can't uh, get a, a check off on your building until you've met the fire test, all right? But spiritually speaking, it also is this issue of testing because testing is a manner in which we discern maturity. It's, you know, there's nothing more frustrating and, and sometimes, many times, nothing more damaging than a mature blessing in the hands of an immature Christian. You catch that? See, it's like, uh, how many of you like diamonds? How many women in here like diamonds? You know, I, I mean, I'd rather have a Glock than a diamond, but you know, you like diamonds. So, uh, but, but diamond rings, right? What happens if you give a diamond ring to a baby? Right in the mouth. That, 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 that 18 month old or whatever is not going to slip that diamond ring on its finger and say, whoa, how beautiful, how amazing. It's going in the mouth and maybe even into the stomach if you don't get it out in time, Right? But you give a diamond to a mature individual and they understand the significance of it. They understand the beauty of it. They understand the, the cost of it. You see? But uh, uh, you need to know how to use that blessing appropriately. So testing is one of the ways that we determine your maturity level. You know, uh, in our, we understand that Satan is, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Right? And, and I appreciate people who have survived fire tests, been through some trials. You know, sometimes it's not just about your arrival, it's about your survival. And, and I appreciate people who just survived some things. They've been through some fire, some tested trials, and they survived it. I think that's success as well. But here's the deal. I want you to understand that God is a good, good father. 
It's one of my favorite songs now. It's actually a little bit old, older now, but, you know, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. He's a, he's, though you're going through some fire, I want you to know God's a good, good father. But understand that sometimes God is, is seeding in me. He's building and cultivating in me a faith that cannot be shaken when I go through those fiery circumstances. Romans 10, 17, everybody, most people know Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I also want to add to this. Faith might come by hearing, but faith grows by testing. So sometimes God allows us to go through a development and testing process. Not because he wants to destroy you, but because he's looking for a life to live in and a life to live through. So God's development uh, is necessary for me to be able to maintain what he's bringing into my future. He's developing me. God wants to get his choice blessings to people who know how to use them appropriately. He won't give us a diamond so we can eat it. He'll give us a diamond so we, are, we, we can discern that we need to wear it. Whatever the blessing is in your life, he doesn't want you to be immature with it. He wants you to be mature with it and use it for the kingdom purpose that it was created for. As believers, we always, uh, we always want the good, but we don't want the fire. I don't know anybody that prays, Lord, put me through a fiery test. We want the end result, but we don't want the struggle. We, we don't value the process. We, I like to say it like this. We want the fruit, but we don't want the root. So here's a foundational truth that I want you to pull out uh, as we've unpacked this message about fire-tested faith. A faith that's tested is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that's tested is a faith that can be trusted. Now we're going to go over to Daniel and we're going to talk about uh, Daniel chapter 3 is the story. We know it is the, uh, the, the story of the three Hebrew uh, children thrown into the fiery furnace. And in chapter 3 verse 5 it says this, when, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, you will bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Somebody say, somebody's going through the fire. Huh? Now, be, before I get there, let me, just, let me just make a side note here. You understand that the Babylonians had taken the children of Israel into captivity in this story. That includes people like Daniel as well as these uh, three, uh, three Hebrew uh, men, young men. And what happened was the chief of staff, the Babylonians, which represents a typology of the world, renamed them. See, uh, Daniel's name means God is my judge. So every time his name was spoken, he was declaring, no one's going to judge me but God. But they changed his name to Belteshazzar. Hananiah means God's favor. So every time his name was called, they were speaking the favor of God over his life. But the Babylonians changed his name to Shadrach. Mishael meant no one but God. They changed his name to 
or, uh, Mishael means no one but God. They changed his name to Meshach. Azariah means my God is my helper. And they changed his name to Abednego. My point here is that God has spoken a name over you. He has declared and decreed who you are is in him. Don't let Babylon, don't let the world change your name and try and steal your true identity. These guys, first and foremost, they had to know who they were. They knew that their identity was in him, not in Babylonia. So we need to understand that who we are is in Christ, not in the world, not of the world, and not of what the world says that we are. Can somebody say amen? So four qualities of fire-tested faith. How do we know that we are operating by fire-tested faith? Here we go. Number one, fire-tested faith is a faith that obeys. It's a faith that obeys. Now we're talking here about faith that obeys God over man. It obeys what God says over what man says. In verse 16... He said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. You see, uh, God is, uh, I'm afraid sometimes we treat God like a Santa Claus. Like he's just obligated to answer our little selfish prayer requests and our whims, right? And, and, uh, you know, but but we're called to, to pray the will of God not the will of man. And then we obey the will of God, not the will of man. And when we talk about faith, you have to understand this is something that's not natural. We all have a natural element of faith. Like when you got up this morning, when you opened your eyes, you expected there, this, it to be light, not dark. If you walk over to the wall and flip the switch, you expect the lights to come on. That's just a natural faith. We, we don't even think about it. But this kind of faith is supernatural. It's not natural. It's, it's, it's supernatural because it's based on what God says. God's word. God's purposes. And to release his power. And God wants to bring uh, into reality kingdom desires and purposes. I was studying a while back and I was reading Psalm 78. And the Bible says that the children of Israel made God mad. Actually, the New Living Translation says they made him furious. You know how you make God mad? You don't believe him. You don't obey him. And this is the story in Psalm 78. You should go read it. The children of Israel, are out, they're out in the wilderness. And you know what they said? Can God give us water in the desert? And then he gave them water in the desert. Can God give us meat to eat? Then he gave them quail. He gave them all the meat. Can God take care of us? Can God provide for us? And it says it made God furious. In fact, the scripture says, because they did not believe God or trust him to take care for them. See, the last thing that we want, I don't want to make God furious. I don't know about you. But the way that you do that is you don't trust him and you don't obey him. Faith is always based on the Word of God. This kind of faith we're talking about is based on the Word of God and what God has revealed and says about your situation. Let me tell you something. Obedience is not optional. Obedience isn't optional. You can't... Here's one thing I know. You can't walk 
in the favor and blessings of God and live in disobedience. But it seems like I run into people all the time that they're, somehow they've twisted or manipulated the scripture to do what they want to do. And they know they're not walking in obedience and they can't figure out why things are going the way they are in their life. It's not rocket science. If you want the blessings and favor of God to, to, to be manifest in your life, then obey him. God's words and his ways are higher than our ways. So fire-tested faith is a faith that, what? Obeys. Number two... Fire-tested faith is a faith that believes. Now, here's the deal. We had said, well, of course, that just makes sense. But really, it's faith that believes in spite of what it sees. This is, this is easier to talk about than it is to live. See, look at verse, seven, or verse 17. He says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace... Then God, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. You know, uh, we, sometimes we think that it's all about us, that we're so smart. But at the end, at the end of the day, we're, we're sons and daughters of God. We've been recreated in Christ Jesus. And you know what? He expects us to be faith walkers. For we, for we walk by faith and not by sight the new living translation says it like this listen to this for we live by believing and not by seeing that's a powerful statement because the truth of the matter is most of us live by what we see and then our attitudes and our 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 words follow what we see instead of what we believe but the kind of faith fire-tested faith is a reality that's not based on what you see. And that's the deal breaker for most people. Because we say things like, well, when I see it, I'll believe it. Right? And we've been taught this way our whole lives. But faith is not a bunch of nonsense. Faith is not a, a, you know, a fairy tale. Faith is a reality. But it's based on what we don't see. When we're, when we're living and walking by faith, we don't see first and then believe. We believe first and then we see. As a, man, as a matter of the manifestation of faith's reality coming in life. So let me say it like this. Our ability to live by faith is in direct proportion to our ability to act and believe as much or more on what we don't see as what we do see. That's this type of Bible-believing faith. So it's a faith that obeys, and it's a faith that believes no matter what I see. So the picture of the Word of God on the inside of me has to be more real and bigger than what I see in the natural. Amen? Number three, it's a faith that speaks. It speaks and releases the power of God. Faith, in other words, faith has a voice. Look at verse, uh, verse 18. He says, this is what they, they said. But even if God doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. I said this in the first service. It just seemed there's an attitude of faith. Faith's got kind of like this, this grit to it, this, this attitude. 
A few years ago, there was a commercial. I remember it very distinctly. It was a Pepsi commercial. And it was an uh, NBA basketball game. There's this little kid sitting over on the bench, and he's got an ice-cold Pepsi. And she, it was when Shaquille O'Neal was still playing. So you know it was a little while back. But he, he's all hot and sweaty, and he, he's like, he, he sees that Pepsi. And so he walks over there, and, and he, he's like this, you know, seven-foot-whatever tall. And he reaches towards that Pepsi, and that little kid's got this Pepsi. And he looks up at him, and he gets a snarl on his face, and he goes... Don't even think about it. You know? Listen to me. That's what faith is sometimes. Faith has that attitude. Faith says, don't even think about it. Don't even think about coming up in my house, devil. Don't even think about trying to get in my marriage. Don't even think about taking my finances. Don't even think about jumping on my body and taking my health. Faith's got an attitude. Faith speaks. It's a faith that speaks. Our words are constantly painting pictures of our destiny and our future. Your words, my words, are either propelling us forward into the things of God or acting as an actual weapon against us to deceive us or hinder us. The the measure of faith and the measure of power that we walk in will always be connected to our words. You know... Everywhere you go, you meet people that want to change their world or change their circumstances. But let me, let me tell you something, friends. I'm here to say this to you today. You will never change your world. You will never change your circumstances until you learn to change your words. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. The emphasis is on the power And you can create hell or heaven on earth with your mouth. Stop sabotaging the promises of God and your future with your mouth. Every husband knows you can create heaven or hell on earth with your mouth. That's a a whole other message, right? But let me say it this way. To live by faith, you can't just believe what God says. You have to say, you have to declare, you have to decree what God says. Therefore, you shall say to this mountain, be removed, and it will do it. See, the power of God's word isn't released until you get it out of your mouth. It's a principle of the kingdom. Isaiah says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. Actually, I just noticed it here, Pastor. It's right here. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish the very purpose for which it was sent. We've got to got sending out. We need to get God's word in our heart and get it in our mouth and start declaring and decreeing it. There's a powerful heart and mouth connection to our faith. Somebody say amen. So, fire-tested faith is a faith that, number one, what? Obeys. Obeys. It's a faith that believes. believes. It's a faith that speaks. And number four, it's a faith that rests. It's a faith that rests. It rests in the goodness of God. so, So, clearly, obedience is our responsibility. But can I say something? The outcome is God's responsibility. He watches over his word 
to perform it. His word in your mouth will get all of heaven in action to perform that word. In verse 24, it goes on. Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, look. He answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Verse 27, he says, They they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched. And I love this. There was no smell of fire on them. Praise How many of you have been to a barbecue, you know, smoky pit, there's fire out there, you hang out and you leave and two or three days later, you're still, whoo, smell that barbecue, right? Smell that smoke. Let me tell you, the smell of smoke, the smell of the barbecue wasn't even on them. Being in the fire. And this is what the king says, verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Nebuchadnezzar said this, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command. They defied me and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their God. Man, I tell you what, they could just rest in there. How many of you remember, you know, growing up, we used to sing, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, right? Just to take him at his word, just to what? Rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Let me tell you something, we need to do a lot more resting and stop being so vexed and trying to make these things happen. One of the greatest plagues running rampant today is this what I call an orphan spirit. You know, we're sons, we're daughters, we're not orphans. We're loved by him and we need to stop trying to earn our rights and we just need to enjoy our position as a son, enjoy our position as a daughter. Orphans don't have any rest. They're always running around trying to earn their place in the family. You're not an orphan. When you're a son, you can rest in the father's love. I shared this earlier, but I want to make a statement. You can't truly rest until you know that you're loved. You can't really rest until you know that you're loved. Something happened to my wife and I when we were traveling in Southeast Asia. We were in Medan, Indonesia, which is a Muslim country. Many of the people that come to Christ over there, you know, they've given up everything. They give up inheritance. They give up so much. There's, there's, a, there's oppression. There's persecution. When they come to Christ, they mean it. I mean, they're serious. And uh, I was over there speaking to a church in Maidan. There are 50,000 people. And on Saturday morning, they have this convocation where all the leaders come together, the home group leaders, the pastors for a word. And I was invited to come speak to that. All the women are on one side, all the men on the other. They're kneeling on mats. And as they begin to worship. And I, you know, our worship songs today were, I mean, off the chain. I love these songs. But, you know, worship is not about the latest, hottest hit. It's about the purity of our heart toward the Father. And something happened I'll never forget. They were all kneeling down on mats and they began to sing. And you know what they were singing? They were singing, Jesus loves me. 
a Sunday school song that to me, I was so familiar with, oh, that's cute, that's whatever. And then Lori and I began to look, their hands were up. And they began to lift their face. Tears were coming down their Asian faces and they were singing. They were saying, Jesus loves me. And Lori and I thought, my gosh, they're not, they're not singing a song, they're singing a revelation. They've got a revelation of how much the Father loves them. And they could just, in the midst of all that goes on in that country, and the persecution, and armed guards outside, they're in there with a revelation of the love of the Father, and they could rest in the midst of that. It's a faith that obeys. It's a faith that believes. It's a faith that speaks. But let me tell you, friends, it's also a faith that can just rest. When you've having done all to stand, you stand. You rest. God's going to come through for you. He's going to do it for you. There's moments in our lives when we all feel so much trouble. I mean, we all get to that point where we're just so overwhelmed with things. Satan wants you to be convinced that, you know, you're not going to make it through. You're going to get burned up in this fire. You learn to rest in him. I want you to know that that fire is not going to consume you. In John 16, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But I don't know why people put a period there because the verse doesn't stop there. Because Jesus said, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So there's going to be some fire, but be of good cheer. God's going to do something supernatural. And if he hasn't already, you know, there, there's going to come a time when you've got to believe God for something significant in your life, your marriage, your finances, your kids, your health, your spiritual growth. I don't know. But that's when you need some fire-tested faith. Not so you can get out of that situation, but so you can go through it and come out the other side and not even smell like fire. And you will be strengthened and strong and God will get all of the glory. So listen, my friends, I want to encourage you. Step up and make specializing in faith a major part of your lifestyle. Don't, don't be cavalier about it. Don't be familiar with it. Make, make specializing in faith a major part of your lifestyle. Faith is the key. When you look at the word, faith almost always makes the difference between defeat and victory in a Christian's life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, all things are possible through him who believes. Amen. My wife gave me a couple of powerful quotes. I want to leave these with you. She said, this is Lori Langley, woman of God, wife extraordinaire. She said this, there it is. Faith is the surfboard, the substance that enables you to ride waves of adversity to the shores of victory. Just get on top of that. Don't get under it. Just get on top of it. Ride it in. And then a few weeks ago, my wife said this, the least crazy thing you will ever do is believe God. The least, and then that, the devil, something, when you're going through something, the devil jump up on your shoulder and say, you're going to believe God? And, you're, and everything you see in the natural makes you not want to believe God. Let me tell you who's crazy is the person who doesn't believe God. For you and for me, the least crazy thing you and I will ever do is believe God and see him do powerful things in and through our lives. Can you say amen? Let me pray a blessing over you before Pastor Terry comes. Father, 
I thank you for your word that doesn't return void. I thank you, Father, for fire-tested faith to be alive and awakened at the Father's house. That no matter what the fiery trial is, no matter what the devil does, I thank you that we are going through. We will not be consumed, but we are more than conquerors. I thank you, Father, for your great faithfulness. And most of all, Father, I thank you that we are rooted and anchored and grounded in your love for us today. And we just rest in that. And we're so excited that you've called us, anointed, and appointed us for such a time as this. So, Father, we just, we just purpose in our hearts to not just hear this word, but to receive it and then to be doers of it and to see the power of God and the glory of God manifest in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, shout amen. Amen. God bless you. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.